Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic. your sitter. As long as there are fans on, this is one of the best ones I hear about. So the Warrior fans come in here, the Celtic fans come in here, Lakers fans come in here. I take that L on the way out. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach and Gosh, with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel on the SB Nation podcast network. And we are here on another Tuesday morning. Uh, we are, I'm recording this intro before the, uh, before the, the game against um, the Miami Heat. So I can't say if it's good morning or a bad morning. We will find out. Uh, here shortly after we record this. But anyways, we are going to uh, spend the first half of our show breaking down uh, the losing streak that the Nuggets have been on for the past week, as well as uh, their actions on the trade deadline uh, or lack thereof. And to talk about that portion of the show, I am going to have with me none other than the host of Nuggets Numbers. It is Ryan Blackburn down in South Carolina. Ryan, what's happening? Not much, Zach. How are you doing, man? Oh, you know, it's uh, well, it's Monday, so. Um, yeah, I had a nice relaxing Monday, but I'm sure that oh, not a lot of people did, and, and uh, hoping to cheer people's spirits up for Tuesday. We'll just yeah. go with that. No, you've just pissed them off. That's all you've done so far, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing my job. Just doing my job. Uh no, yeah, it's uh, we'll be fine. We'll get through this. It's just it's been gloomy. It was a gloomy day uh, in Colorado, at least in the morning. It was very very foggy and gray. Uh, it was uh, you know the Nuggets are on this losing streak. It's been uh, it's been just really cold the past week or so. So uh, everything's kind of seems like we're in the we're definitely in the uh, you know like so baseball has the dog days of summer right and like uh basketball i think has the dog days of winter especially in places like colorado like i imagine the the you know the nuggets or the players are feeling it themselves being oh, stuck yeah. in this cold all the week oh, long the two weeks leading up to the all-star break i'm sure are the most painful just because if you're if you're a player who's traveling and like the nuggets they they just went on a four game road street or a four-game road stand and just got back to Pepsi Center and will play tonight, Monday night. Uh, it's, a, it's a really tough proposition to stay motivated for that entire time. And this is the time when people really start to lose a little bit of motivation right before the All-Star break. But that's why the All-Star break is when it is, so that they can get it right back and then head through the home stretch. It's almost a little bit later now, right? I mean, because they pushed it so it would be after the trade deadline. Um, so you didn't have Boogie Cousins getting traded <laughs> mid yeah. mid post game. 
post uh, post game press conference. So it's it's almost harder now for them this last yeah this last little bit of grind. And I think I mean Ryan, would you point to that? Do you think as like the key point to to this losing streak is just simply that these guys are burnt out? They're on a four game roadie right before the All Star break. I mean, I, I would say at least the first two games, you know, the losses to the Pistons and the Nets, that definitely in my eyes seemed to be the case. It just seemed to be a lack of effort, and certainly that was what what was uh, coming from the coaches and the locker room as well. That was the message that they were sending. Well, I think it's very fair, and and when you're when you're going on the road and you're down a few players, and the the energy just doesn't seem to necessarily carry through on most of those days. I thought they played with a lot of energy against the 76ers, but it just wasn't as much execution. But I think it's it's fair to say that these injuries have really took a toll on what the Nuggets have been able to put out on a daily basis over the past few weeks. I mean, Gary Harris has been in and out of the starting lineup all year. Uh, Will Barton has just returned and is he hasn't played entirely well, as, especially on the defensive end, but he's still figuring things out. And Paul Millsap, the one of the other starters, is in and out of the lineup as well. And I hope he, he makes a great return to the rotation tonight. But you never know what you're going to get with so much transition. And I think that's what the Nuggets really need over the course of the next couple of days is a, a transition into some continuity. And when you can when you can settle on the rotation and you can settle on the starting lineup, everybody knows what's going to happen. Everybody knows who they can count on. That really makes things easier, and I I expect that the Nuggets will regain after uh, coming out of the All Star break for that reason. Right. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I don't know. I mean, it's the thing. The thing I think that you that gives you encouraging or that's encouraging is is the way they responded against Philadelphia. Yes, they lose the game to Philadelphia, and, and JJ Reddick killed them uh, in particular. I thought, uh, and I'm sure most people thought. Though I, I, JJ, sure. uh, I, Katie Wingy on the on the uh, radio uh, broadcast brought up a good point, saying that it was you know it's something that you should probably uh, just expect with Braddock. He's a guy who runs something like 12 miles, uh, 12 miles a game. So uh, you know certainly going to be a guy that's going to be tough to cover around those those uh, screens like he was. But they 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 had you know that was a, a team pretty much at full force, a team that. Uh, you would expect the the Nuggets to struggle with no matter what, and and the Nuggets at a, a lesser advantage, obviously not playing uh, at full strength themselves, were able to take that team pretty much down to the buzzer uh, there on the road. So it's it's encouraging, you know, and they, they played with energy, they played uh, they played more of their style of basketball. They didn't necessarily play good defense, which I think is still being the overwhelming. Uh, harsh theme here that of this streak as well. If you're going to say the other thing other than energy, uh, what would it be? It would certainly, in my opinion, be um, defense. And I would I would counter that by saying, especially against the Philadelphia 76ers, that they're just some teams that you don't necessarily match up with very well. And Philadelphia is one of those teams for Denver. I thought that Nikola Jokic in his own right played an excellent defensive game against Joel Embiid, holding Embiid to 4 of 17 from the field. Uh, Malik Beasley, on the other hand, did not really have a great game. And and when you're when you're talking about a guy who's 21 years old or 22 years old for Beasley and has already eclipsed his career high in minutes, then that can that can sometimes happen. And then 
you don't necessarily have that focus. You don't necessarily have that execution that you would normally like. But he's 22, and sometimes you just have to live with it. I think if you were getting full-strength Gary Harris in that situation, then maybe the Nuggets come out with a win. So right. it's it's one of those things that if the team just matches up poorly with you, I think that Brooklyn matches up or, or Denver matches up poorly with Brooklyn as well. I think without Paul Millsap, Detroit matches up as as a poor matchup as well. Um, right. So there's a lot of understanding for why the Nuggets didn't perform well. You don't want to make excuses for them, but you can totally understand it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. There is, uh, you know, we've almost become spoiled by the fact that these guys have been able to overcome the injuries so yeah. much. And I really thought, yeah. you know, you know, here's where we, we it really caught up to them. And I think you could see it. Uh, early on, especially first off with that Detroit loss, you know, I thought that was that was when I was like, man, they just don't have it, uh, and and it looks like they're. I mean, when your leading scorer is Trey Lyles, you know something is, and that's okay. Like like when you're you're just gonna have those games. Golden State has those games where uh, right. the Nuggets are are starting to get every team's best effort now, just because like when you're when you're at the top of the standings for as long as the Nuggets have been, you start putting a target on your back. So the Nuggets have to account for that, and they have to be able to bring the energy every game regardless of what the opposing teams throws at them and they'll learn they're they're young yep yeah exactly that's a it's part of the learning experience and we, we've seen them we've seen them grow uh in these situations past the nuggets have plenty plenty examples this season of them overcoming uh these type of odds so i i'm with you i don't really tend to see as much more than a you know uh more of a like a blip on the radar i guess i think they'll they'll get back and they'll be just fine um, post All Star break, if they're not, then then certainly uh, it's time to probably uh, oh yeah get get some concern. All right, let's uh, let's shift now gears. We'll talk about uh, the other big news from the week, or I guess lack thereof news, was that the uh, the trade deadline comes and goes. The Denver Nuggets stand pat, don't make any moves whatsoever. Uh, Ryan, are you okay with that? Do you think that was the the correct decision, or would you have liked to see them uh, at least do something? I don't know if it's the correct decision. I don't know if I would justify it or, or phrase it like that. I, I talked about it with Gordon on Nuggets numbers last week. I think there was a 30% chance that they would make a move and a 95% chance that if they did, it would be to move a power forward out. And either that was, that was going to be Trey Lyles or Tyler Lydon, maybe Juancho Hernan Gomez, one of those guys. But other than that, I, I couldn't really see a great path to what Denver was able to do. There's just not a lot of guys that that fit Denver's current profile. There aren't many players that are better options for Denver that are also cheap than a, a Trey Lyles, Juancho Hernan Gomez type. Uh, the the Nuggets are just in a position where they mostly just have to expect their guys to perform. And and if you can't perform, then then they're kind of in a, in a tough spot because there aren't great op- or there weren't great options out there to replace those guys that other teams will, were willing to give up. So was it the right decision to hold on to those guys and not do anything? I don't know. I think that it could come back to not necessarily bite Denver, but they might have been able to pull an asset that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to during this upcoming summer. Uh, Trey right. Lyles is going to be a restricted free agent. I don't know right. whether Denver's going to be able to re-sign him or whether they even want to re-sign him. Right. So it would have been nice if Denver didn't want to re-sign him to be able to get an asset for him and give another opportunity a chance to have a, a two-month audition or so to see if they wanted to. But that just wasn't how it was going to work out. Yeah, I think, you know, when I looked at it, I was, I mean, I'm fine with them uh, not making a move. I had said before the 
uh, deadline. The one move I wanted to see them move was do something with Tyler Lydon just to just to clear open the roster spot, which they can still do. They could they could waive him at any uh, any moment. They clear it just means that they're the ones left paying the last third of his contract, which is fine. It's like it's totally inconsequential. So I mean, I'm sure they tried probably on that front. Uh, I don't. I mean, unless they've got some some plans, long term plans for Lydon, which certainly doesn't seem to be the case, given that they could have had him uh, if they had wanted by just picking up his option. So I I mean. Obviously, if if they could have got something for Leiden, I'm sure they would have. So it seems like that there probably was nothing there. Maybe not even uh, a situation where somebody's just willing to pay the last few months of his contract for you. So uh, that that that's fine. Beyond that, I didn't really see anything. I get the Trey Lyles or the Wancho Hernan Gomez thing. I guess the thing is, is though those guys are fringe rotation players. They're giving you uh, some minutes. Lyles probably more consistently now than Wancho. Uh, and, and you, you, there's something to be said about not wanting and not messing with something when it's working. The Nuggets are playing really well and have been uh, playing really well the entire season. You tend to just, I think, uh, which is why I said they shouldn't have any big moves anyways or other uh, at all because, like, you know, you tend to just kind of want to leave that be and see where it goes this season. And even someone like Trey Lyles, who's really on the back end of that rotation. Uh, you wonder if like it, it, it's got to be worthwhile, like, like you said. I mean, there's got to be a quality player or something you're going to have to get back here uh, yeah. to make it worthwhile. And they're just I doubt there was anybody out there interested in that and guys who are on expiring deals like Lyles. In addition, you're you're talking about like it. The, the power forward position, I would say right now, is the Nuggets' weakest position, and we can argue whether that's small forward or not, but I think that the Nuggets have played enough three-guard lineups that they that they can make that work. Where right. they really struggle, especially when Paul Millsap isn't at his best or is injured, is filling that void at power forward. Right now, they're moving Mason Plumley from center to power forward, and I, right. I know that Plumley can fill that role, but it's certainly not his... Uh, his ideal position in the rotation. And so when you're talking about moving away from Trey Lyles or Juancho Hernan Gomez, and you still have to, you have to make sure that Paul Millsap is a reliable piece for the rotation right, going right. forward. And, and I don't know if the Nuggets were able to commit to that just yet. Um, there, there are guys that are, that were out there that are out there that, that could have been had. I, I know that Markeith Morris is out there right mm-hmm. now. Uh, who could at least fill that backup power forward spot, but right. that that could be a veteran pickup that the Nuggets go for over the next couple of days. But I don't know if Markeith Morris is even interested in Denver, so that right. could have been the that could be the problem with just waving Tyler Lydon is that you don't know if anybody's actually going to want to be in Denver. So you have to have yeah. that intel, and you never really know. You could even uh, there's plenty of guys who want to be on a ten day contract. That, you, that, that if you're not if you're not gonna sign Tyler Lydon this after this year, then why aren't you like at least bringing in guys on ten day contracts to see like hey, you know, is this a guy we want to have in camp next season or, or something like that? I mean, you know what I mean? It, it, basically, you're, you're you're you could be doing summer league tryouts right now uh, with with ten day contracts and also filling having guys fill in emergency roles in the power forward spot. Uh, which I guess Tyler Lydon does, but or or if you needed a small forward like we were talking about, or you know if if your guards can you know your guards have been shaky, particularly your shooting guards have been shaky all year uh, in terms of injury. If you need one of those in a spot, uh, could you get a guy like that? It, to me, it's just if you're not going to use if you you don't have any plans for Tyler Lydon beyond these uh, after these next 27 games in the postseason. 
then, then, then maybe find somebody you do have. There's got to be somebody out there you do have even minor plans for uh, that you could bring over. Uh, in addition, or, it's probably doing a disservice to Leiden because he hasn't had that opportunity to to grow into his role and find his right. confidence in the NBA yet. So right. it's it's tough to hold a guy back in that respect. So I agree with you. I don't see a future with Tyler Leiden and the Nuggets together. So I, I think that that's something that they probably should do. Will they do it? I don't know. Right. Yeah, me neither. I don't know either if it would... Like I said, there, there'd have to be somebody, I think, out there that they would really uh, be interested in. Let me ask you this, Ryan. Would you give any uh, merit to the idea that the Nuggets didn't need to make an addition at the All-Star or at the trade deadline because they have Isaiah Thomas and that is essentially going to be their trade deadline addition? Uh, I... I wrote an article about it today that that Isaiah Thomas could be uh, a real big jump start for what the Nuggets want to do going forward. And maybe he's a piece that could help solidify the bench rotation next to Monty Morris in a in a very small two point guard lineup bench unit. I don't know if that's going to be the answer, though, because the the Nuggets right now are struggling defensively. The The offensive numbers are, are still there overall, and if the Nuggets want to continue to advance as a potential playoff threat, I don't think that offense is going to be the thing that holds them back. Right. I think that it's going to be defense. I think that they should be trying to find somebody who can play next to Nikola Jokic or next to Monty Morris or Jamal Murray and, and the guys that are definitely going to be in the playoff rotation. How can you insulate those guys? How can you make sure that they're in the best position to succeed on both ends of the floor? And so I think that Isaiah Thomas partially solves one end of the floor, but I think he makes it twice as hard defensively to game plan for Michael Malone going forward. That's a very good point. That is an excellant point. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm up in the air as well. I guess we'll have to see. Uh, it's interesting to decide how, how, the, how it would fit, and if you have him, you know, you're, you're probably only going eight-man rotation uh, in, in playoffs, but that it's almost impossible if you have Isaiah Thomas, because then you can only play really one of him or Monty Morris. You pretty much can't play both. If Gary Harrison, Jamal Murray and, you know, and Will Barton, all three of those guys are healthy or starters, then, then you've pretty much, if you're going to be eight man, well, you know, you're going to have Mason Plumlee off the bench. Uh, you know, you're going to have to have some sort of wing. It's probably going to be Malik Beasley. And then, and then if you're playing Isaiah Thomas, well then, you know, that, there's eight without even talking about Monty Morris or Trey Lyles or Juancho Hernan Gomez. So uh, maybe they go nine deep in a playoff rotation with Isaiah Thomas, but uh, it's it's tough. I mean, it, it's they're going to be extremely undersized uh, no matter what. And then and then, like you said, kind of trying to figure out with him, I think it's it just makes it that much harder. They'll they'll score a ton of points. Don't get me wrong; they'll be they'll be fun to watch. That's for sure. It's just going to be interesting to see uh, if they can hang hang up on the defensive end, like you said. All right, Ryan. Before you get out of here, I'll ask you this real quick. Uh, give me one trade deadline deal that you saw that was uh, you were your your either your favorite deal or your most surprising. Ooh. Uh... Well, I guess we could talk about this Tobias Harris trade because I think yeah. that that was a really interesting one for both teams. I thought that the the Clippers did a really good job trading away Tobias Harris, and I think they traded away Mike Scott and Boban Marjanovic, and they they acquired back uh, 
Basically some cap space, uh, Landry Shamit, uh, they, they acquired a couple of first round picks and right. it really says a lot about where both of those teams are right now. The mm-hmm. Sixers are, are committed. They want to get a championship over the course of the next couple of years. And then even if that doesn't happen, they're ready to commit to a team around Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and then adding Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler to that mix. I think that that's a great team if they can make it work. Uh, on the other side, the Clippers are are gearing up for a free agency this summer. They want to make sure that they're in a position to recruit Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, all of these outstanding free agents that are in the 2019 free agency class. Uh, and and to put the Clippers back on the map in a big way. And I think that they have a really good argument there. They now have some great trade chips. Mm-hmm. They've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander as a developing piece. They've got Danilo Gallinari still entrenched. Lou Williams. There's there's a lot to like if you're a star about – and or maybe a couple of stars – about what the Clippers can offer you that that maybe the Los Angeles Lakers can't because they have LeBron James because they right. have guys that are already entrenched and because they're they're waiting on Anthony Davis for everything. So it's going to be really interesting to see how both of those franchises go. I, I was surprised and kind of blindsided by that move, but it makes a lot of sense for both right. organizations. It sure does. That's a good one. And I I um yeah, you definitely see the Clippers. The Clippers, it's an interesting move, and it, and it's exactly what the trade deadline is for. Is they they had they had a decision to make about what they wanted to do this season, and it was like, do we want to compete for a eight seven seed, you know, uh, and, and run the chance of maybe getting getting the right to just get swept by the by the Warriors in the first round, uh, or or do we want to start looking forward to to what's after the season? And they made the clear decision that we're gonna you know they're gonna move forward, uh, looking to what's after the season and i think they set themselves up uh nicely i thought i thought uh, landry shamit too that's a nice pickup he's a uh he's an intriguing prospect from the point guard position so um there there's definitely a lot to like there it it is always a a gamble obviously and we've seen is we've seen it backfire on 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 you know the biggest name teams in the nba right the the los angeles lakers and the the new york knicks have both gone all in for free agents before and uh, ended up not uh, not really getting much, and so that uh, that is the risk that they run. It will, it'll be interesting to see how it pays off uh, for for the Clippers there. The other the trade that I thought that was quite surprising was uh, also in California there with the uh, well the Sacramento Kings getting Harrison Barnes for yeah uh, what was it Zach Randolph and uh, Justin Jackson right that's so, right. Essentially, Harrison Barnes for a pile of nothing because I mean, there's Zach Randolph is like 57 years old or something like that, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> Justin Jackson is like that guy is about two years away uh, from playing in Turkey. So there's there's not I mean, there's there's really they didn't give anything up. Uh, and I say this as a UNC fan, if there's anybody out there as a Tar Heel fan, like Justin Jackson is just not good. He's just not um, not but Harrison him. Barnes, the other Tar yeah, Heel. I was he's, like, he's pretty good. Harrison Barnes is Harrison Barnes is pretty good. Uh, I mean, he's he's probably a little bit overpaid, but for a team again like Sacramento, who's got their young core in place, uh, who is clearly uh, looking towards trying to would love to get swept by the Warriors in the playoffs. Uh, it's a move. It's a it's a it's a win now move, but not like a you know obviously not like an overwhelming move. It, it's a very much. 
reminds me of, you know, that, that team reminds me very much of where the Nuggets were just a season or two ago. And, and them, them making a move uh, that we, I think we had Nuggets fans always wanted the team to make uh, and then never did, you know, at that deadline. And, of course, we always ended up about a game short uh, of, of making it. So maybe that's, uh, you know, or maybe this is their Devin Harris, I guess you could say, that they're making. Maybe so. Maybe this is what pushes them over the top in that discussion. How great would it be if the Kings, the the lowly Sacramento Kings, who I projected to be like the 14th seed this year, were the right. team to oust the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron and James Clippers. from the playoff picture and the Clippers. Right. Best yeah, team and- in California. It could, and it could. Well, not. I'm just, quite. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it could, though. When you think about it, it could, uh, uh, it could definitely happen because, like we said, the Clippers made their clear decision. They didn't look like they're interested in making the playoffs, and the Lakers got their like, got just completely, you know, Game of Thrones style uh, manipulative plotted against by the by the Pelicans to destroy their locker room. So it's totally possible that those two teams are the two teams that the, the Kings could jump and and end up in that eight seed uh, playing the Would Warriors or, or who knows, maybe playing the Denver Nuggets. All right, well, this game is about to tip off here soon, so we're going to let Ryan uh, Ryan get out of here and get to watching. But, uh, well, make sure you guys are checking out Nuggets numbers. You got one coming this week, Ryan, or are you off this week? No, I'm off this week, but make sure to check out the dig in its stead. Uh, Jeremy's done a great job, and, and Nick has done a great job of, of turning that into a big, awesome show that, that lots of Nuggets fans really love. So I'm, I'm, I'm always glad to tune into the dig, and I'll be going with Nuggets numbers next week, and maybe I'll see if I can get another stiff on for that one. There you go. All right, everybody, we'll stick with us, and right around the break, we will wrap up that Miami game and look forward to the Charlotte game and the All-Star break. So we will be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Welcome back 
into the Pickaxe Funded Show. Zach and Gotcha Denver Stiffs.com here with you guys to carry us through to the end and doing it solo. No one, uh, everybody was just so excited about the win after Miami. They all immediately went to bed and no one wanted to stay up and record <laughs> or something like that. Um, <clears throat> that's all right, though. We will go ahead and we will go ahead and wrap up the show. With just myself, we'll keep it fairly brief. A couple things. Obviously, we'll go over that Miami uh, win. We'll look at the Sacramento game upcoming. And then we'll take a quick look at the All-Star break. And then that'll be our show. So we'll try and keep it fairly quick for you guys here on the back end. Uh, start back with that game against Miami last night. Nuggets get back off the schneid. They had, of course, as we spent all the first half of the show talking about losing three in a row. They get back home after the road trip. Uh, for this game against the Heat, and they go ahead and get the win there for the Nuggets. That is, I'm trying to pull up the final score here, and I'm struggling deeply. Excellent podcasting uh, for you guys. 103.87 is the final score. There we go. I knew I would find it. I knew I would find it. This is why I need a guest. I need someone to keep me on track. Otherwise, who knows where we're going to end up. In this conversation, so Denver, of course, uh, I think the the big takeaway you have to have is that the the defense was back, right? And we talked about that a little bit in the beginning of the show with uh, with Ryan about how against Philadelphia, you know, it really felt like uh, Denver had started to get back that defense, started to get back some of that energy, um, especially. But also kind of playing more of the defense that we had seen in the beginning of the year that had made them a staple. You know, there's a lot of we had a lot of debate. In our stiffs chat during the game last night, it was interesting. A lot of talk about whether or not this iteration of the Nuggets, how far they can go um, based on the defensive deficiencies that are within some of their core players. And we're not just talking to Cole Jokic. You know, you're talking to a guy like Jamal Murray, uh, for example. He really struggled uh, last night at the point of attack. Malik Beasley, another guy who, who played great last night. I mean, really came on in the fourth quarter, scored a bunch of points. But defensively not... Uh, not their strong point. And we were really talking about a lot of, uh, you know, how far can you actually go with this team with the, with, with guys like, uh, like that playing, uh, being a huge part of what you're trying to do, but also being so deficient on the defensive end. And, you know, I, I kind of was, I was thinking, I didn't really bring it up too much at the time in the conversation, but what I was thinking to myself was like, wait a minute, this is a team that was one of the best defensive teams in the league at the beginning of the season. And not just over a week or so, you know, it was over a good, uh, about two month period there through October and November into December before it started to fall off and then really fell off a cliff there in January. So I'm not necessarily sold on the idea that this Nuggets team can't be a good defensive team. I don't think that's the case. It, it, to risk sounding like Coach Malone, I think it's ser- just a matter of effort and he shouldn't have to coach effort, right? Uh, that's <laughs> These guys are paid. Uh, very handsomely for for what they do. That should be all the uh, all that's required to get maximum effort out of them. Um, we won't get off on a tangent about work ethic uh, in the and and uh, <clears throat> how to succeed in the workplace, though. I promise you on that. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's so it it just doesn't necessarily sell to me the this idea that they can't be a good defensive team because of the way their roster is built. I mean, I get it. They are, they're very lacking in size on the wings. Uh, that, that, that's painfully obvious. Anytime we have to play a large wing uh, and we end up getting Paul Millsap out there covering them, you know, you think I like Kevin Durant. Nuggets don't have 
a ton of guys who can cover someone like that. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt's the one physically who makes the most sense, but he's a rookie who's barely played. Uh, only got two minutes in garbage time last night. So not exactly someone you're going to have put on your defensive end. But I, again, I don't necessarily think that there that it's a personnel issue as much as I think it was a lapse. Uh, we talked about, you know, basically the dog days of winter uh, and how we're right in the middle of it. I think that that is very, very, very true. <clears throat> and that's why we see this defensive fall off more than anything. And so when you get back into the confines of, of the Pepsi Center, back at your home court where you've been so good all season long, uh, we see, you know, we see them come right back out and hold a team uh, to 87 points. Now, granted, it's Miami. You know, they're not they're not world beaters by any by any sense. Of, I mean, they might be a playoff team in the East. They're five games under 500, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily disqualify you from the playoffs in the East. Um, you know, but they're they're obviously not uh, a marquee team uh, if you want to describe it that way. So I get that side of it too. Uh, let's 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 see if this holds. But I think that was definitely encouraging, at least uh, the defensive play. Uh, was certainly there for, for most guys. They did a good enough job really containing the three-point line, uh, which has been a big bugaboo for them this season. Some of that was was the Heat just missed their shots, but some of it was they were playing good defense. Uh, I mean, I think beyond like maybe Dion Waiters, nobody really uh, really hurt you all that much from three-point land. So that was, uh, that was encouraging as well. And when you do that, you know, you get the win. Uh, they didn't have anybody, I think, who stood out throughout the game offensively. Like we said, Malik Beasley had the big fourth quarter playing really strong there. Um, Monty Morris got him off to a great start. He was uh, he was really efficient there in the first half. How many shots did Monty end up missing uh, in that game? He ended up, I think he, they say he came off the, yeah, let's see. Uh, a seven of eleven. So he ended up missing four. I don't think he ended up. I don't think he. I think he hit his first seven. He might have missed his last four shots. Uh, it was a plus sixteen. Really, the only guy off the bench who did anything of note. Uh, Millsap making his return back. That's always uh, always encouraging. Got the headband no longer there. That was that was noticeable. Maybe he decided the headband was the reason for the injury woes. I don't know. Uh, you know, he had an all right game. Um, Jokic was consistent throughout the night, but he was consistently good and bad. I thought because he he played uh, he played well. You know, he scored well, he rebounded, he assisted. Like, uh, well, I guess he didn't have as many assists, but he was he was a, you know uh, standard Jokic. The thing that killed me though was the seven turnovers. He really uh, early on, I think I think he maybe got two right out of the gate. Him or him, maybe it was Jamal who got two right out of the gate. But early on, him and Jamal were really having a hard time connecting. He had twice, I think he had tried a full court pass and it didn't really, uh, he didn't connect on it. So there were, there were just a couple of, of, uh, it wasn't as crisp from Nicola as we would normally see. And yet he still ends up with, you know, 23, 12 and four. So, uh, I think he did just fine. But I, I, I guess the point I was getting is I don't know necessarily that anybody shined very bright on the offensive end, uh, certainly not throughout the game consistently. So, uh, the defense is definitely what got them the win uh, last night, in my opinion. I don't think it's much of a question. They certainly were able to lock up Miami, and it doesn't matter if you only score 103. If you're going to keep teams to 87 points, I mean, you're going to win more often than not. So that's that's really where I think they, they made the improvement. And it's good to see. It's good to see them get that back, uh, and hopefully they can carry it over here to the next game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which is against the Sacramento Kings. Of course, Nuggets will play Sacramento Kings tomorrow night, Wednesday night, 
that will wrap up the uh, games before, or at least for the Nuggets before the All-Star break. Sacramento, a, um, you know, I don't even know if you can call them a sneaky team anymore. They're, last time the Nuggets played the Kings, I probably called them a sneaky team, said, hey, they're, this is not your older brother Sacramento Kings, right? These guys are um, <clears throat> these guys are fairly good. They're fairly healthy right now. In fact, I think they're completely healthy. Um, and they're a team that is that is very similar to who the Nuggets were just just last season or the season before. You know, they're a young team with some some exciting young players. They've got some guys that they they think they might have found in a uh, that might be a um, you know a, a franchise type of piece. For the team, <clears throat> we could see potentially De'Aaron Fox being, you know, a, a star type player, a Buddy Heald. Those guys have played very well for them this season. Uh, they've got a lot of nice supporting uh, players on that team, young players, guys like the uh, Willie Cauley Stein, Bogdanovich. Um, trying to think also now, you know, Harry Giles is, of course, uh, I think is 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 our good friend Greg Wisinger's uh, lost child. I believe is how he refers to him. But, they, of course, Marvin Bagley, we haven't even got to the, the second overall pick in the draft. You know, so uh, tons of young talent there, and they seem to be finally putting it all together. You know, they're they're riding this backcourt of, of, of Fox and Heald. They're getting Bogdanovich and Bagley off the bench. Uh, they've got some other, maybe a little bit more veteran guys and guys like, you know, you think about the Danilo Gallinari's, the Wilson Chandler's. Those were the veteran guys, the Kenneth Freed's, the veteran guys for the Nuggets. They weren't necessarily what you would think long in the two veterans, right? These guys <clears throat> weren't mid-30s uh, players. Nuggets always had one of those guys at the end of the bench. And right now, so the Kings, they've got Corey Brewer just hanging out. Um, but most of your veterans were even still like in their prime kind of role players. And, and that, and that's exactly basically what, uh, you know, what we're seeing now over in, in Sacramento with Bielitsa. Uh, they just picked up, of course, Harrison Barnes and then, um, now they got Alec Burks as well. Another guy like that. So that, that composition just reminds me so much of, of the Denver Nuggets and, and just where they're at this season. So much reminds me so much of the Denver Nuggets. Here they are 30 and 26, which would, you know, is is a great turnaround for for this Kings franchise, and that that, that in itself um, is something that should be should be talked a lot about. Is just where they're at right now, regardless of whether or not they make the playoffs. Um, the turnaround that the Kings have made this season has been fairly remarkable. They currently sit in playoff position now after last night with the um, <clears throat> with the Clippers, I believe, losing. So. You've got you've got this team who who is hungry, who is young, who sees an opportunity to take the next step in their development, uh, and, and they've got you've got to take care of them uh, the game before the All Star break at home. It's an easy game to overlook, but the Sacramento Kings team, like I said, is not is not a team you could overlook. This is also potentially a team you could face uh, in the playoffs. There's a real chance of that, so you want to make sure that you're. Uh, that you're prepared for them and that that you're you're giving it your all because again you might you might have to see this team again uh, not too far down the road and well that would be probably ideal I think most Nuggets fans would take that um, because Sacramento because they're so inexperienced like the Nuggets uh, in a, in a regular season game right before the All Star break you could you could see how uh, you know you could maybe 
be overlooking it a bit, and this one could creep up and get you. And you can't have that. After you have the three-game losing streak, you really got to get back into back into the rhythm of things, I think, and, and really go into the All-Star break on, on a two-game winning streak on a high note to pretty much wash that three-game winning streak behind you, right, to make it a thing of the past, something that happened before the All-Star break, heck, even before right before the break of the All-Star break. So you've got... You know, you've got some time to put that behind you, and it's really not an issue at all. You're not thinking about, oh, hey, we got to start out really strong to make up for that slow, uh, you know, that slow entry into the All-Star break. Because if you lose, you're, well, we lost four of our last five. And that's a lot different than saying, hey, we're on a two-game winning streak. Because, you know, like I said, then then you're, you've, if you're on the two-game winning streak, you've put the losses behind you completely. If you've lost four of your last five, you're still considering them. And now you're putting this pressure on you coming out of the break. You know, we got to get back on track. We're, we're right there with Oklahoma city. Now only a game and a half back. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, psych psychology kind of thing, I think. So, uh, very important that they get this one against Sacramento. Very important that they see that it's, that it's not going to be, uh, you know, just one of those games where they can just walk right over and get the win either. I think they need to, uh, they certainly need to be aware that this is a talented team uh, and one they could see later down the road as well. Uh, interesting thing real real quick before we go and talk about the All-Star break to wrap up the show. I just wanted to note here, Nuggets, so the Nuggets, like I said, a game up on Oklahoma City. They are five games up now on Portland, who is in the four seed. So they're now five games up on the four seed. You start to see this separation. If you get the win, you stay five games up uh, going into this all-star break. 25 games remaining. I mean, when you think about that, to close a five-game gap, uh, I mean, you obviously don't think uh, Portland's going to run the table, right? But what you're talking about having to have happen is something like the the Nuggets going, you know, they'd have to kind of fall off and go maybe uh, 15 and 10. If the Nuggets go 15 and 10 uh, to end the season, Portland would still have to go 20 and 5 to catch them. Or Houston would have to go 20 and 5 to catch them. And anybody from there on out would have to do even better. Like, <clears throat> that is an incredible... Uh, that would be an incredible run if any of those teams could do it. The Nuggets starting to get fairly well locked into one of the top three seeds. It's not going to take long after the All-Star break. A couple weeks after that, if they if they just keep playing well and, and banking in some wins, you know, it, it's going to be now, uh, it's not going to be a talk anymore about will they have home court advantage uh, in the playoffs. That will, or in the first round of the playoffs, that will pretty much be a given. It will be a talk about can they beat uh, Oklahoma City and win the division, and can they catch Golden State for the number one seed? Those will be the only two things uh, left to worry about. So very, very kind of a cool thing to watch as we start to see this. You know, it's kind of, I think we've all been sort of on this Cinderella ride this whole way, and I, I know at least myself, sometimes I want to I want to catch myself and say, ah, hold on, let's, let's, you know, this might not be the real Nuggets, how well they're playing. They could slide and fall back into that five, six seed uh, area. It, they're they're starting to put enough distance now where that's that's not going to be an issue uh, anymore. So it's it's very um very impressive, just very impressive. I don't want to call it first half of the season because we're way past that point. Uh, very impressive first two thirds of the season as you go into this All Star break and they're being rewarded by it, right? I mean, you are Nikola Jokic will make his first All Star appearance. He'll also be in the Skills Challenge 
Uh, Monty Morris, of course, gets robbed. Should have been in the Rising Stars Challenges. They put Kevin Knox uh, in there, which is dumb, but whatever. Um, Coach Malone and the rest of the coaching staff, they will, of course, be the, the coaching staff of Team LeBron. So they will coach against Jokic, who was, uh, interestingly, the the... the Really, after so with the All Star Draft, you know, with with Giannis and LeBron picking the players. So after after they got through the starters, they um, Giannis picked Chris Middleton next. That was his next pick, uh, which of course you know that's his teammate. Uh, he's being a good teammate. Um, LeBron then picked Anthony Davis. Ha ha ha! Uh, we all know what's going on there. Uh, and then the next pick by Giannis was Jokic. So really, because you're you're I believe at least that they're they're required to pick the starters who the fans selected um, first. Well, fans mixed with coaches and and players, um, they're required to pick the starters first so that they are actually the starters. And then then, then it's kind of a free for all for for the rest of the players. So really interesting that basically after Giannis, you know, did the favor for his teammate, the very next player he picked. So you could say basically the next the first player he really was able to choose from the full pool of players uh, that were remaining and and wasn't motivated other than just wanting to take the best player. Um, the player he picked was Nikola Jokic. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And, and it should be kind of fun to watch Jokic uh, go against Coach Malone uh, in the game. We'll see if we'll see if Coach uh, – maybe, maybe Coach will trap Jokic if he tries to bring the ball up the floor and try and trap him with the full-court press or the full-court trap. That would be interesting to see. Um, it would make me laugh. I don't know how much I'll watch it, though, to be honest. I am uh, – I'm not a big all-star person. I, I never have been. It's, it's a pointless – um, exhibition. It's you. I mean, if you like watching watching guys run around and not play defense and just dunk a bunch of times, then sure, that's cool. And like, it's good for like the first five or ten minutes. You're like, oh, look at all these guys dunking. But I mean, after that, it gets kind of old, right? Uh, the last, I think, the last quarter usually of the All Star game is somewhat fun to watch. That's when guys seem to start to care. At least if it's still within striking distance for one team. Uh, they start to really think about the whatever they win, like ten grand or whatever they can win by getting by actually winning the All Star game. So uh, you know you start to see a little bit more intensity and, and care go into the game. But it's it's kind of a farce. I don't actually really care too much about the game. The dunk contest is a, is a, is a shadow of what it should have been. Another nugget got snuffed on, or yeah, you know, got the the snub not snuffed. <laughs> nobody's nobody's being killed here. Uh, another nugget got snubbed. Uh, that was Malik Beasley. He would have been he would have been excellent for the dunk contest. It seemed like. There was some push, at least by the the social media team there with the Nuggets, to get Malik Beasley uh, picked. He did not, so no Malik uh, in the dunk contest. I probably wouldn't have watched anyways. I, you know, when you think about all the Nuggets in the dunk contest, do any of them ever really come back to you as being exciting? I mean, Freed was okay, Barton was okay. Uh, who else has done it? J.R. Smith. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody really jumping off the page. The one that jumps off the page the most is when Birdman did it with with New Orleans because he missed every single dunk. That's what <laughs> that's what you remember. So uh, I don't really care about the dunk contest. The three point contest is, yeah, it, it, it used to be really cool. I used to really get down to that. I don't know. It's just, I think it's just played out. There's just, it just is what it is. And it, it'll be interesting. I think it'll be fun. If there's anything I'm gonna watch that I'll be excited about, it'll be that because it'll be fun to watch. You know, um, the Curry brothers shoot against each other, and it'll be fun to watch Dirk shoot. Uh, that that I think is kind of cool. 
to to have Dirk there for that. You know, I I don't necessarily care about him being in the in the All Star game itself. Uh, I understand wanting him to be there part of the weekend though. So um, I thought they could have just let him shoot at the three point contest. I mean, fine, but what could you have Dwayne Wade do? I I don't know if you could maybe have Dwayne Wade try and do the skills competition or something like that. But it would be harder to find a a side event for him to do. So maybe that's why they had them both in the All Star game. But It'd be cool to see Dirk in the three-point shootout. I might watch that. Uh, that's basically it. I don't. We we had a we had a moment um, a couple weeks ago. Not even maybe a week ago. So it was announced that Sue Bird was the uh, celebrity head, or the head coach for the celebrity all-star game. And our Jeremy Pulley, our, our social media quarter, asked us. It was like, well, should we write a post about this? And I was like, I refuse. I'm not writing a post. Like there, you come. There comes a point when you're like, look, dude, like. I get it. We we're, we're supposed to cover all things Nuggets, but this is this is just silly. And like when it comes down to Sue Bird, uh, nothing against Sue Bird, obviously, and and she's a member of the Denver Nuggets front office. Um, but it's the the celebrity All Star game. Is there a dumber part of all of All Star break than the celebrity All Star game? Like that. That's the point I'm trying to get to. Like, why do we even play? Like that is the encapsulation of. Everything that the the All Star Game has been reduced to, it is it is in itself just the most pointless event to have that nobody actually wants to watch. Like, dude, who actually sits down and watches the All Star Celebrity Game? Like, what kind of sick basketball addict are you that that's how you've got to get your 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 basketball Jones in? Is that you've got to you've got to watch Justin Bieber play the secretary of education. You know what I mean? Like, like what are we doing? What are we doing with this? It, 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 it's, uh, it's just, it's just so bad. And, and to me, it just represents everything that the all-star game has come become. And I just, I get why Steve Kerr was like, dude, I don't want to go to Charlotte. Yes. I hope the nuggets are, are a one seed for that one game. It worked out perfect for golden state. The nuggets were like a one seed for like two days. It just happened to be the two days um, where they were going to pick the, who got to be the all-star hit head coach of the all-star game. So uh, it worked out perfect for them. Uh, but I understand why I didn't want to go. Cause it's, it's such a, it's, it's, a, it's just a clown show. It, that's what it is. It's a clown show. Um, and, and the whole thing is, is just kind of nonsense. And I'm sure, you know, it, why don't we just give everybody a week off? Do we really even have to do this thing? That is it. That is how I'm going to end this podcast. Do we even really have to do all-star game anymore? Can't we just, take a bye week everybody just go home and then we come back a week later and we're not sitting here forced to watch pointless bad basketball for an entire weekend that is what i'm going to close it on make sure you're following me i'm at zach mikosh on denver stiffs ryan is at nba blackburn follow us at pickaxe pundits at Denver Stiffs, at SB Nation. We try and keep it very simple for you guys. Uh, or also on ans- on Instagram, at the Denver Nuggets, over on Facebook there as well. Make sure you're checking out our page, giving it a follow and a like. Subscribing to all of our media feeds. So over on our YouTube channel, you'll find us there. That's where you'll find, uh, if you want to know the uh, post-game press conferences from coach and different players after the game last night, you will find those on our YouTube channel right now. Uh, also, make sure you're subscribing to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel, whether it's on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever. I believe we now have that all figured out, and so you should be seeing those in your regular podcast feeds. Um, 
Make sure, though, you are, are subscribing to that feed. You will get uh, notified anytime there's a new episode from either myself and the Pickaxe Pundits, Ryan Blackburn and Nuggets Numbers, Jeremy Poley and The Dig, or also Brandon Vote and Full Court Press. Brandon had a really cool episode just last Friday uh, about some guys shooting a documentary about the fastest triple-double ever. And wouldn't you know it, right, when they were shooting it, our good friend Nicole Jokic happened to break the record. So, um Really cool kind of uh, story to check out there. So make sure you are subscribing to the podcast channel, and you can get those guys can get that stuff uh, as it comes out. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week. Listen.